Hello, friends. Welcome to the 300 Podcast. This is a pod for fans of both golf and comedy. We consider ourselves expert golf viewers, but we won't pretend to be expert players. If you're looking to take strokes off your game, you should probably try another pod or just go to the driving range. However, if you like talking Tiger Woods, gambling, and partying, you've probably come to the right place. My name is Tom, and I'm joined by my esteemed co-hosts, John and Zep. Let's head to the first tee and get started. All right, it's been a long time coming, a lot of dark moments, but he's back. Paul Casey returns to the winner's circle. Just kidding. We're, of course, talking about Tiger. I'm here with my good friends, John and Zeph. Say hello, guys. Hello, guys. How's it going, Thomas? Doing great, of course. Uh, all right, we'll do a Valspar recap. We'll hop into some segments. Uh, I want to get the word out. We're also planning to put a second show out later this week. That will include a Bay Hill preview and a surprise version of one of our deep dive focus pieces. But uh, the golf world is a buzz about the Valspar, so, so let's talk about it. Matt. For the folks that have been uh, living under a rock the last few days, just give them a brief wrap-up on, on what happened and why we're so excited. Oh, man, I, I just couldn't get over how glued to the TV I was for a golf tournament in March. I mean, to think that I that must-watch TV would be the Valspar Championship and Innisbrook. Um, and obviously, we all know why, and not, not only that he joined, but that he, that he played well. Um, and I just think it was must-watch TV towards the end. I mean, when he – just when it looked like he was sort of fading away and it was going to be a moral victory, he dumped that putt in on 17 that looked like it was never going to get there, and then the whole place just erupts, and now we've got drama coming into the 18th hole. We've got Patrick Reed opening the door wide open for Tiger um, by having a putt go uh, negative one feet, and, um, <laughs> and, it, and it was there for the taking. Um you know, I, I think we'll get into kind of Tiger's strategy uh, on the 18th tee. But, um, you know, super encouraging to see. And now, you know, the world is abuzz again. And after years of any time he's done anything athletic, people saying he's back, I think we can all officially say that he is back and he's a competitive golfer again. And last time I checked, he was the favorite to win at Bay Hill and one of the top three favorites to win at the Masters. Super excited about Bay Hill. Uh, but I, I guess one criticism I want to spend a little bit of time on, I think you alluded to it, Matt, his decision to hit iron off 18T. What did you guys think about that? What was the logic there? I'm having, having trouble wrapping my head around that one. So I looked at how he played the hole all three days, uh, all four days, rather. So it looks like, based on his uh, tee shot distances, it looks like he played the two iron all four days. Um, but he also never had uh, shorter than like around a seven iron in. Um, that said, he didn't need a birdie to force the playoff on the first three days. So on a day where he admitted that he wasn't super confident with his mid irons, I just, you know, it's, it's hard for me to question Tiger Woods' tournament strategy here, but I just think if you need birdie to win, not loving your mid irons, you got to at least take three wood there and try to give yourself a nine iron or a wedge into the green because you know, he never he never bogeyed it, but he also never got an approach shot within 25 feet on that hole. Yeah, I don't know. I think that from my point of view, he's got to hit the fairway on 18. 
he missed the fairway, his chances are pretty much automatically done. You're not getting it close to that pin from the rough. And I also think hitting like a super spinny 130-yard wedge shot to where that tee or that pin was set would be almost impossible. I mean, Patrick Reed, I think, was like 142 yards away from that pin and was like pimp walking it up there when he hit it, thinking he hit it tight and it rolled back. Uh, and I'm assuming he hit a wedge in there. So I, I imagine that you're probably almost better off hitting on that little shelf than you are hitting a short iron. I was assuming something like that was going through his head. Who knows? Well, yeah, I mean, I think it just came down to, you know, 18 probably wasn't, you know, the birdie he needed. I, I think he had opportunities earlier in the round. He, you know, he parred a par five. Um, you know, as he admitted, he just he couldn't get any wedges close enough for good looks. Um, and I think, you know, we're obviously talking about the uh, decision on 18T a lot less if he doesn't make a 45-footer with a 3% chance of going in on 17. Um, but just the fact that we're even talking about what Tiger, what decision Tiger made on the 72nd hole of a tournament in March is just unbelievable. Totally. Let's not spend any time talking about the fact that he left the putt short either. Gloss over that. <laughs> How many people left must make fun woefully short on Sunday? Patrick Reed, Justin Rose. Um, yeah, that's that's a tough one to take. <laughs> maybe maybe he was just playing to make sure he uh, got that tied for second. Maybe he's just playing for the money now. Maybe he's playing for those those Ryder Cup points. Maybe maybe uh, maybe Red Bull offered him a better sponsorship if he finished uh, <laughs> second or better. Hitting the energy drink companies against each other, love it. I honestly thought, by the way, I saw him on the the, uh, the the coverage on Thursday, drinking from a Monster Energy bottle, and I was like, that's a weird sponsor for a tournament. And I thought it was like a tournament wide sponsor, and they like, gave all the players those water bottles. And then I see this all black Monster Energy bag, and I was like, is this? Are we at a tractor pull or? <laughs> or is this a golf tournament? <laughs> and then I and and then I see and then I see Bubba Watson post from a like a Monster Jam <laughs> Monster Truck uh, event over the weekend. And I thought it was kind of perfect. <laughs> it's possible Tiger has never drank a Monster Energy drink. He probably could have used one when he got uh, pulled over for the DUI and fell asleep or whatever. But um, yeah, it's possible he's never never ever ever had one. Well, well, or back when he could barely walk, but he was, like, deadlifting, like, 400 pounds, he probably would just, like, chug a monster and just run to the gym. <laughs> Anywho, very excited about Tiger. We'll be talking a lot more about him. We love you, Tiger. We know he's a listener. Um, good luck next week at Bay Hill. But uh, <laughs> let's move on to some of our other takeaways from the Valspar. Uh, another one I had was, uh, now I know what Valspar is. Couldn't have told you what it was or what it sells before the tournament. Uh, John, I think you're the only homeowner in the group. Has, has it changed your uh, residential painting decisions going forward? Short answer, yes, Tom. I'm very excited about using Valspar paint on my apartment. Can't wait. <laughs> Glad so to hear that. Big, big, big losers this week are uh, Patrick Reed and Sherwin-Williams. <laughs> yeah, definitely no shout-outs to Sherwin-Williams. Uh you alluded to it a little bit, John. Uh, Patrick's uh, really poor putt on the last hole. Depp, just uh, tell the people who weren't able to see that what happened, and then uh, please criticize his effort choice. Yeah, so he so he goes with putter, um, presumably to minimize the risk of a three putt uh, and losing his share of the lead. 
And, uh, yeah, for those who didn't see, he putted it about two-thirds of the way there and then rolled right back to his feet. And then he decides to chip it up there since he needs to make it, uh, and he almost did. Um, so, yeah, re- re- really tough look for him. Actually, I'll give him some credit for uh, kind of making fun of himself and kind of waving the ball back to himself when he realized how bad he fucked it up. Um, can't say I felt super bad for him based on everything I can gather about Patrick Reed. It's kind of a love-hate relationship because uh, he's been so awesome in the international tournament. But uh, I think anyone who's come across his path, uh, very few people have great things to say about him. Uh, actually, saw someone today uh, at the golf simulator who caddied for him uh, in a pro-am. And listen, we, we know the tour players don't really love playing the pro-ams, but apparently he was especially uh, asshole-ish to everybody involved in the group. So, um, yeah, not not everyone's favorite golfer, but no no big deal. I, I think the, the bigger issue is his uh, – Adorable choice to wear black and red uh, as an homage <laughs> to Tiger, and uh, I'm just imagining Tiger's thought process, like watching him like play in the group in front of him, like, oh, how, how cute is this that he's copying me while I'm like still competitive? Was anybody else yeah. pulling for for a Patrick Reed Tiger playoff? Just so we'd watch both of them in black and red go head to head. I would have bet hard against Patrick Reed in that playoff. <laughs> So we haven't even mentioned the uh, the third round leader or the winner of the golf tournament. Uh, quick word on your winner, Paul Casey. Um, he is on his second marriage, and his ex wife literally wrote a memoir. So, uh, okay, we said something about Paul Casey. <laughs> See hey, that, guys? Clarify this one for me. Don't you have to be like semi important to write a memoir? Other than, isn't it just a book? If you're not important, is that like getting shot versus assassinated? I think that you have to be rich enough to have an agent to call it a memoir. That might be the the only clarifier there. So third round leader uh, Corey Connors uh, didn't win the golf tournament. Was that a big surprise to you, Matt? No, I, I don't think I've been less confident in someone in the final group to win a tournament since Smiley was paired with Jordan in the last group of the 2016 Masters. Um, you know, he, he threw up that bogey on the opening par five, essentially lost two strokes to the field. And you knew right there that it was going to be really tough for him to recover, and he just didn't have his mojo going. I think he also had a history of being poor in final rounds when he's in contention as well. Yeah, I'd love to say that uh, it's okay. I know he'll be back, and we'll be hearing a lot more from him, but uh, I don't actually know that that's true. Did you guys actually ever heard of this guy before the final round? I feel like we are, are, you know, relatively deep in the golf game, or at least I feel like I am. I had never heard of this guy's name until this tournament. I had never heard of him. I had so never heard of him that I think I like looked at his Wikipedia page on Thursday, and then I had to relook at his Wikipedia page on Saturday. So he at least does have a Wikipedia page, though. He does. There's no word on when it went up, though. It's probably at it. That would be embarrassing if he didn't even have a Wikipedia page. <laughs> uh, Tom, you mentioned Paul Casey's ex-wife who wrote a boring memoir. I thought you were going to talk more about his second wife, who is absolute smoke. Uh, and for Paul Casey, who's, you know, not the best-looking guy on tour, just like an absolute punch and above his weight class. Um, she's like a British TV personality. And uh, she's worth a Google image. Or if you want to go to our Instagram page, I already did you the, did you the work. Yeah, maybe he's cooler than he seems like he is. Perhaps. I also it was uh it was a tough uh tough final day obviously for Justin Rose. Um you know, I, I think there was 
there was a period of time before, you know, Tiger came back where all, all people talked about was how well Justin Rose was playing and how he was the hottest player on earth. And like when Tiger came back that, um, you know, that, that ink sort of went away, but I looked it up. And if you go back to like last August, September, cause there really is, you know, you can go back that far to last season cause there's really no break in the PGA tour season. He's had in his last 11 starts, he's got two wins and eight top tens. Like, he, he had a bad uh, WGC in Mexico, and then he's been top tens in every event, including uh, the four FedEx Cup events. So he just continued to be hot. Yeah, he also, I believe, lost the playoff in the Masters last year to Sergio, too. So uh, definitely a favorite heading into the Masters. But, yeah, he's he's solid. I feel like he could do a little bit more with his brand and his personality, but, uh, man, he's good at golf. I think I feel like he's got a pretty, like, easygoing personality. He was, like, fist bumping Tiger before the round started. Uh, I kind of like Rosie. I'm not mad. I'm not mad at Rosie. So, real quick, Tom, we, we touched on Tiger on the 72nd hole pulling iron. He obviously took iron off the tee a lot this week, and I, I think he – some are saying that he selected this course because of the ability to do that, where – it's not, you know, there aren't a lot of long par fours where you're, you're not going to be able to reach easily uh, unless you pull drivers. So what, what do we make of that going forward? Is that going to play in, in other tournaments? Or, you know, do you think he's just going to be better suited in situations where he doesn't need to take out his driver, you know, 12 times in a round? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, we want to see that big dog eating plenty at the Masters. Of course. Uh, so I think him straightening that thing out and having confidence in it will be critical. The Masters. Uh, I don't know where the PGA is, but the other two majors, I think the U.S. Open is at Shinnecock and then the British Open is at Carnoustie. I actually think Shinnecock and Carnoustie, um, are both the types of courses where you just need to get it in play and don't have to hit it that long. Uh, Shinnecock especially is where John's boy, Corey Pavin, actually won a U.S. Open previously. I think Corey Pavin's longest drive he ever hit is about 237. Uh, so it's a game you can, <laughs> probably a game you can, you can relate to, Zep. Um, but anyway, the, uh, the conservative yeah, I think, style may work there. I, I think Corey Pavin's signature shot from that win was like a 220 yard three wood into like the 18th green. Yeah, it was. was a, I think it was a four wood actually, but yeah, it was, that was not a part five. That was not a part five. Oh, uh, Corey. He of the gigantic golf shirt. <laughs> yeah. Corey's playing a little bit out on a senior tour, I think, these days too. We're, we're written for him, but I don't think he likes when those courses uh, are 7,000 yards. <laughs> All right, let's talk a little bit about the actual coverage this week. So, obviously, we had a combination of PGA Tour Live, uh, Golf Channel, and NBC uh, sans Johnny Miller. Really happy to not see Johnny Miller in the host seat, by the way. Talk more about that Tom, later. We'll, 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 we'll edit that out, right? No free ads. So, we'll just say that uh, one of the major men's golf tours has an app out there that lets you watch extra coverage. <laughs> that's, a great, that's a great point. Yeah, we'll strike that. A large uh, professional golf association. Love the apps. I want to talk about the guys on the PGA Tour live uh, broadcast real quick, what I like to call the C-Squad crew. Um, just a couple of fun things I noticed when I was uh, watching Tiger before he came on the Golf Channel Thursday and Friday. Uh, Robert Dameron, uh, who is like one of the uh, 
quote unquote experts slash former pro golfers, uh, they showed his credentials on the screen like they do sometimes, you know, so you know, you know, you're getting, uh, info from a reputable source. And one of his career highlights is actually a, a college win. <laughs> that <laughs> says a lot about his pro career. Uh, the second part I liked is they were talking about defending champ Adam Hadwin, who's from Moostra, Saskatchewan in Canada. Um, which led to one of the other PGA Tour Live C-Squad guys talking about how he's been to a town in Canada called Salmon Arm, uh, which led to a candidate for quote of the week. Um, someone said, mooses have jaws, but salmons do not have arms. So I, I appreciated that sound analysis from my C-Squad PGA Tour Live crew. So we'll be on the lookout for uh, one of them getting getting promoted up to the Golf Channel crew. But um, Got to love that. that- that's like when you're flipping through the TV and you see, like, college basketball on there. So you're like, oh, I'll check this out. And you find out that it's, like, Quinnipiac against, like, SUNY Maritime or something. And the, the people that get to do those games who just have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> Is SUNY Maritime a real school? I, I don't even think it's D1, but I, I I was struggling. I didn't want to say Quinnipiac and Merrimack. I had a couple from the uh, the early days coverage. One was a nice little double dip between uh, going back and forth between Frank Nabolo and Nota Begay. So, <laughs> for starters, I'm not sure how much more mileage uh, Nota is going to be able to squeeze out of playing college golf with Tiger 22 years ago. But he's like, he is to Tiger Woods what Brian Windhorse is to LeBron James. He just like, he I think he's just got this like little stash of stories that he just like, leaks out one per week so that he can still have a job. I'm not sure what, like, insights he's adding. Like, I'm sure there are other people can attest to the fact that Tiger Woods has four practice greens in his backyard. But, um, <laughs> yeah, he just keeps getting them checked just for, like, just saying stuff about Tiger that most other people could uh, could say also. But there was a point where they were talking about nine-year-old Tiger Woods, and then Nabilo took over and said, well, nine-year-olds are patient, and so is the 42-year-old version of Tiger. And he said virgin before correcting himself and saying virgin. Like, of, of all the people on tour you can call a virgin, I don't know if Tiger's the guy. <laughs> I feel like, uh, uh, I think there, I think there are plenty of porn stars and, uh, diner waitresses who can attest to the fact that he's not, but. I feel like normally, uh, that, that Golf Channel crew uses Thursday and Friday as kind of their, their bucket of balls on the range to get it warmed up before people actually start watching golf on the weekend but uh you gotta you gotta you gotta show up thursday warmed up when tiger's in town you know <laughs> yeah, yeah the traffic's gonna be up guys let's be on our a games i can just imagine the production meeting um but my, my favorite my favorite part of the coverage uh it was a little bit subtle I'm, I'm sure a lot of people missed it but during like the birdie and hole out frenzy um so, someone putted one in from off the green and I, I don't know which announcer it was but he went Hey, everybody, we're all getting birdies. We're all going to get paid because you can't say we're all going to get laid on broadcast television. <laughs> but it was, it was a nice little Caddyshack reference that I appreciated. Was that Peter Jacobson? Who was that? I'd love to say it was. I'm just not positive. And I'm trying to remember if it was Friday or Saturday. Um, I think it was Saturday. It, it might have been Peter Jacobson. I'd, I'd, he's got the comedic chops for that. Yeah, I feel like Peter Jacobson is trying to be the Gary McCord of NBC. So let's keep an eye on that going forward. I mean, that's kind of his rap. I, I actually forget, I actually went into a Peter Jacobson, like, research wormhole, where uh, – wormhole, rabbit hole? I don't know which one. 
But uh, I actually forgot, as, a, as someone who plays a lot of Golden Tea myself, that it used to be branded as Peter Jacobson's Golden Tea. Like, both the arcade game and then the uh, follow-up, like, PC and PlayStation game. I wonder if he's still getting them checks from uh, from Golden Tea Machines. That's pretty good work by his agent. F- free ad for incredible technologies. <laughs> People forget he also used to be uh, in a band that released two albums, Jake Trout and the Flounder. I'm not sure if those are available on iTunes. Uh, uh, I, th- I, th- I think he opened up for Jim Dolan's band. <laughs> John, what language did you watch the golf in? <laughs> yeah, I've been I've been noticeably quiet during the coverage, so I spent most of the coverage in Guatemala. I watched some of it in Spanish and then hit mute for a while because my wife was trying to take a nap. But I will say, Golf Channel in Guatemala has no commercials, so all they do is show shot after shot after shot with no like booth time and story time that I could tell is in Spanish. Uh, but it was fantastic. When you watch it in the U.S. and come back from commercial, they'll, like, go back to a good shot you might have missed during the commercial break. So, like, I wonder how that matches up with them going commercial free. They pretty much just showed every single shot of anybody in contention. So I bet I saw more of Corey Connors on Saturday than anybody else. Oh, you lucky dog. Uh, <laughs> you lucky dog. That, that would have been awesome the week before because they had that awesome announcer for the WGC in Mexico who was like the soccer equivalent of uh, of golf. Yeah, I really wish it was been it, the week before. I would have I would have felt like I was there in person. It would have been awesome. Was that, <laughs> what, was it that guy though? Like, did you get to see it? Did it, the Spanish person announce like Justin Rose's hole out and go ape shit? It, you can't tell. It's very difficult to tell whether someone hit a good shot or a bad shot because everything just sounds like it's the best thing that ever happened in the entire world. <laughs> <laughs> so are there actual... was a fantastic lag part. Okay, that was kicking the coverage. Overall, uh I think we're very pleased with uh the work done by NBC this week. Let's move to our next segment, fan behavior. Anything of note this week, guys? Pretty pretty tame down in West Florida. Um you know, unless unless there was stuff they were editing out, I I did see one fan or hear one fan just like sing half the chorus to Eye of the Tiger uh, as Tiger was walking off the green. And that was just, it was more annoying. It didn't disrupt like play or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. I feel like there were a lot of random yells, not while people were hitting, you know, while, while the golfers were walking, but they were largely just supportive comments uh, to Tiger, which are difficult to criticize and just add Turns to out the, <laughs> Yeah. The fans like Tiger. Weird. I heard a, I heard a lot of dilly dillies out there this weekend. Is that a new uh, thing to say out on the golf course, fellas? I heard that too. I guess so. It's better than Baba Booey. Oh, I did I, hear I quite a few Baba Booies. I think it's kind of in the same realm as Baba Booey. What is Baba Booey? I'll look it up. Keep going. Good question. Good question. Uh, I think Baba Booey was like a Howard Stern character for a while, but I don't think that's related. Got it. Kind of sounds like Ratatouille, great animated film. Let's move on to our Ian Poulter of the week. The Ian Poulter of the week actually goes to Ian Poulter. Um, he had basically the gold, silver, and bronze in this category this week. Um, first of all, I mean, he just continues to be one of the worst social media followers of all time. Uh, he... First, after he shot 78 in the first round, he basically blamed uh, it on his putter, uh, having switched putters the day before. Um, basically, just blamed, blamed that whole score on his putter. Um, he obviously missed the cut. He played a little bit better the second round, but missed the cut. 
then was blaming his grips, talking about how he's going to switch back to his old grips. And then he had a pet-related instance that also bugged us, didn't he, Zeph? Yeah, so so I, I follow him now just for the unintentional comedy, and he posted uh, an Instagram story with his dogs, and apparently his dogs are named Bentley and Enzo for Enzo Ferrari. And it's just like <laughs> the the lack of awareness for like what, what people want out of him and why people don't like him is just staggering. Um I'm I'm wondering if he has a, a cat named Rolex and a goldfish named Cartier or something, but he, he just uh, just continues to impress. Uh, and I actually heard someone on another podcast say, "I don't understand. I don't understand why Americans don't like Patrick Reed. That would be like a Euro not liking Ian Poulter." So really, just a tough week for Patrick Reed. He's getting compared to Ian Poulter. That's kind of a, a new low in terms of how people think about you. Yeah, so congratulations again to Ian Poulter on being named, again, Ian Poulter of the Week. <laughs> Probably a good time to revisit Ian Poulter's famous quote. Tom, do you want, do you want to, do you want to give us the context behind it? Yeah, he, uh, he basically said a while back that when he plays his best golf, it would just be him and Tiger. Uh, this was a long time ago. Um, I don't know if he was thinking about the, uh, 2016 version of Tiger that couldn't walk or what, but uh, that that comment and prediction didn't end up playing out. Uh, just another reason to hate him. Or maybe Ian Poulter's so, so, best golf is just in front of him. We haven't seen it yet. Wait for the 2018 Ryder Cup. Yeah, that's a good point. If he uh, he probably isn't even going to make the team. I hope he does, no and way. I hope him and I hope him and Tiger are head to head in the singles matches. That'd be so good. So with this segment, it'll be like the Sports Center, not top ten. So each week we'll see if someone can be worse on social media than Ian Poulter uh, and wrestle the crowd <laughs> coming. My money, my money continues to be on Ian Poulter until his agent uh, steals his phone away from him. <laughs> okay, let's move on to not so fast. I think Adam Scott must have heard us talking about uh, Rafa Cabello Bale last week. Uh, if you missed last week's show, we were talking about how Rafa Capella Bale is just one of the best-looking golfers out there on tour, and we finally got to take a good look at him on Sunday. Uh, but, but not so fast. Adam Scott uh, got right back onto our TV this weekend, didn't you, boys? Yeah, he played well. Uh, he was in contention for a while. I'm looking at the leaderboard now. He looks like he drops to a, a T16, but Adam heard us talking about Rafa last week, saying how he's like taking the reins as the pretty boy on tour, and then you know, he took offense to it, polished up his game, and, uh, you know, came back with the top 20 for us. So so good for Adam, and also appeared on a commercial with uh, Rafa Cabrera-Bello, uh, I guess, as you'd think it's a pretty boy commercial, but then they, they cut right to Andrew Beef Johnston, who uh, steals the show. Shout out to Beef for his uh, second place finish on the European Tour at the Indian Open this weekend. Uh, left a little bit yeah. of meat on the bone, so to speak. All right, guys, I think we should dive into our next weekly recurring segment of Brodables. First up on the list, and I think this is more of a, a not Brodable, um, our boy Jordo looking a little lost out there, looking a little bit unconfident, and certainly still has the yips with the putter. Um, I don't know if there's a jinx with our podcast, but it certainly – Seems like it. Uh, my boy Jordo, I'm starting to get a little bit nervous, hoping that he is a gamer and turns that shit around before the Masters, but uh, what do you guys think? 
Are you saying he's not a bro or not good at golf anymore? I, I can't argue with either. I'm just trying to – when you said he's not broadable. Um, I, I think he's not good at golf anymore is the real concern. <laughs> I'm concerned as well. Um, it, it just it, – it'd be one thing if it was – you know, we, we thought it might just be the greens and something was in his head. But, um, yeah, he's he's not getting close with irons. Is there? I don't think there's a part of his game that's solid right now. Yeah, he he's amazing in how – you know, he's like one of my fun, favorite golfers to watch when he's going well. But then when he's playing like this, he literally looks kind of like an eight handicapper. Because his swing isn't that beautiful. Starts hitting pretty pedestrian iron shots and then, like, yelling at them after he hits them. And then he just looks awful over, like, a two-and-a-half-footer and then misses it. Uh, so I don't know what the remedy is. Maybe he'll, Maybe he'll feel better when it gets to Augusta. Maybe he needs a little spring break trip. But I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. What is his what I is mean, his what is his schedule coming up? I don't I don't how many more tournaments does he have between now and Augusta to figure his shit out? I don't believe he's playing Bay Hill. Um, I don't think I don't think he is either. He'll play the match play, the Dell. Yes, because that's in Texas. I I wanna look at how he did before his kind of like fourteen, fifteen, sixteen masters. I, I think he won the Valspar before he won the Masters in 15. I just want to see, like, what his schedule was leading up and if it was any indications that they might be able to turn it around at Augusta. I mean, that that said, his last four Masters have been T2 win, T2, T11. So hope, hopefully he can turn it back around and find some magic again. Yeah, and so the schedule going forward, we've got Bay Hill this coming week, and then we've got the match play, which he'll definitely play in. We've got the Houston Open the week following, and then it's the Masters. So unless he plays the Houston Open, he potentially doesn't have a stroke play event between now and the Masters to get on the right track. That's a little concerning to me. Well, you know, more time at the driving range, which is sounds like he could uh, benefit from right now. Maybe he just needs four putting greens in his backyard. <laughs> yeah, and especially if he overseeded one of them. And uh, hi- hired away a superintendent from uh, Augusta National to <laughs> to be the uh, to be the local greenskeeper. <laughs> Pretty sure Noda just made that part up, by the way. <laughs> yeah, he's grasping at straws now to justify his paycheck. <laughs> All right. Speaking of people who don't need uh, a relaxing spring break trip. Before the Masters, Smiley has become a recurring focus of this broadable segment. Zep, recap his tournament for us. I mean, I, I really thought we we did the reverse jinx on him and Jordan because we picked Smiley to finish uh, dead fucking last, and then he teased us with an even par front nine uh, on day one and a respectable plus two uh, for his first round, and then he just uh, he pulled a Russell Westbrook on us, went a triple double through the snake pit. Uh, which he played uh, for his first nine on, on Friday, ended with a six-over stretch through four holes, um, and then secured a tie for a dead last, just like you'd expect him to. So really um, really got to admire his ability to close. Um, it's unlike anything I've seen before. I mean, he, you can just imagine him coming through the snake pit and being like, what what shots do I need to hit to come in last? And then turn those uh those visions into a reality. So you really got to respect it. And, um, you know, hopefully he can keep it up. <laughs> what are those vibes like sort of coming off the 18th green after you finished dead last in the tournament? Like, are there, uh, can he pull any positives out or is he just like, man, I'm glad I'm healthy. 
Like, what is, what's going through his head right now? I think he's probably like, man, I'm, I'm so glad that I got engaged to my girlfriend before she and everybody else in the world realized that this is going to be my last year on PGA Tour. Yeah, I'd love to hear or interview or maybe, maybe we should just conduct an interview with him. Uh, but I'd love to hear whether he feels like he's close or is he like, I'm just completely lost out there. He's definitely not confident on social media because I don't think we've heard anything from him in quite some time. He might become the first player in history to just voluntarily play the web.com tour for the rest of the year, just so he can know <laughs> the courses for next year. <laughs> Serious question. Does his, does his performance in the 2015 Masters – Basically, is, is he in Augusta this year? Is he in the Masters? No, he was not in Augusta. He was he was on he was in town in Augusta, Georgia during the Masters doing a Nike light promo, but was not that's playing right. in the field. That's right. That's right. Because I, I was seriously wondering like whether you'd have to worry about like finishing last behind like Hale Irwin and Larry Mize, who are like playing <laughs> on like one-time winners exemptions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think he'd break 90 as an average right now if he could it up tomorrow. Because I, I, I was scrolling through an old leaderboard. I, I think one of, like, there was a former winner who was, like, 70 years old and playing the Masters, like, you know, missed the cut with, like, a plus 32. And I was like, is that in play for Smiley if he played it? Yeah. Sam Burns played well this week, though. I think I know why. Why is that, Matt? Uh, it, it came out on the broadcast that he spent last weekend, which was an off week for him, uh, at an LSU sorority formal because he is 21 years old and his girlfriend is still in college. Um, so, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Smiley should go to the next one. He's an LSU grad. He likes to party. I think Smiley might have a hard time getting an invite at this point. <laughs> this is a pretty strong three-week stretch for Sam Burns. Also a gutsy performance from Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, Smiley got last in the tournament, but he didn't actually get listed last on the leaderboard. Bryson uh, withdrew from the tournament with a sore back after shooting a first-round 76. Um, he's 20, 24 years old, withdrawing from tournaments with sore backs. Uh, no word yet, though, on whether his partnership with Microsoft is boosting Microsoft cloud sales. Well, uh, we'll stay tuned for that. <laughs> yeah, sp- speaking of getting mileage out of something, like this whole, like, mad scientist reputation, the fact that he's getting, like, like IBM Watson-type commercials is uh, is pretty silly. Yeah, those commercials have quickly become comical when he can't even qualify for the tournament during which the commercials are being broadcast sometimes. Uh, I'm starting to feel bad for him. Actually, no, it's like not. they don't even it, – funny if that like they wouldn't even give him a sponsor's exemption to the tournament that they're sponsoring because <laughs> like, it's too bad for the brand to have you playing <laughs> um so yeah he's he's 24 years old and engineered a swing that like takes a lot of his back and torque out of the swing and he's, he's still withdrawing with a bad back it's probably a bad look <laughs> maybe he got invited to a sorority party fred in it <laughs> maybe i hope he wore the kangle hat Last one in the Brodables, actually a heavy not Brodable, is Rory Sabatini keeps sneaking up on leaderboards. Uh, I thought he was gone and dead, but it turns out he's not. Uh, I knew I disliked him. I kind of had forgotten why, so I leveraged Wikipedia to remind myself that he once said Tiger was more beatable than ever uh, right after a tournament that Tiger won. Uh, 
Uh, and then later <laughs> in the year, literally after Tiger had won a tournament, and later in the year had a fan removed who was heckling uh, heckling him with questions about Tiger, uh, a la Justin Thomas. Uh, so anyway, not super stoked to see him on leaderboards again, but I must say he is playing well. That's, uh, that's a Y.E. Yang level of balls uh, to come out and say that. <laughs> Quite ballsy. Okay, let's check in on what's going on in the golf gambling world and check in on Zepp and I's bet. Zepp, you starting to get nervous? Getting a little nervous? Uh, yeah, Zepp is getting upset, uh, to quote Costanza. Uh, the, the quick recap is, the quick recap, uh, for those who don't know, Tom and I have a bet whether Tiger will win a major before the end of the 2020 season. I have no, Tom has yes. I was confident six months ago. This week, I hedged my bet. So I actually was was able after Friday somehow there, there's a lag on my betting site I won't say which one because we don't do pre ads but uh, was able to get him at fifteen to one to win the Masters when most of the sports books had him at eleven to one which is irrational but fifteen to one is probably fair I took out a hedge uh, partly because I'm nervous partly because I found a market inefficiency but I've now got Tiger at fifteen to one for the Masters. JT at 16 to 1 and JT at 3 to 1 to win any major this year. So, um, I'm pretty confident, um, in that last one. I, I think JT's definitely come out, uh, to win one this year as well as he's playing. Uh, and then Tiger, I'm just kind of shaking in my boots, uh, after this week. It's, it's unbelievable. I would have told you that you were crazy that I would hedge Tiger at 15 to 1, uh, for the Masters six months ago. Do you have odds for Tiger? This year? To win a major, um, yeah. I let, let me let me look it up. Um, if you guys want to talk about anything else, um, I'll, I'll check back in on that. He right now he's put, right now he's the favorite at Bay Hill at plus five fifty. Jason Day is the second favorite at plus nine hundred. It's unbelievable. Wow. Bad radio here. I'll look up Tiger's odds to win a major. Okay, so so John, I, I just pulled this up for you. Uh, I'll go through a few top players on their odds of winning a major this year. Dustin Johnson plus 140, Hideki plus 350, The Rominator plus 275, Spieth 190, J Rose 450, JT now down to plus 250. I got him at 300. Rory 250, Tiger Woods plus 275. Tiger Woods and Justin Thomas have roughly the same odds to win a major this year. That is just unbelievable. Wow. And right I'm... now for the Masters, he's plus 800 behind only DJ in terms of being the favorite, at, at least on my book. I, you know, they're, they're all different, but I think from, from stuff I've seen and looked at, again, for the Masters, he's one of the three or four favorites on just about every sports book. It's crazy. All right, folks, that's our show. We'll be back later this week with the Bay Hill preview and a surprise deep dive focus piece. Go ahead and try to finish all your work by Wednesday so you can slowly leak it out Thursday and Friday while you're actually watching golf on your phone. And until then, mind your pace of play. See you, fellas. See you guys. Play well, play fast.